good to see everyone. We have visitors, and we're happy you're here as well. We're going to, as we talked about in our class, uh, Evan talked about in the class, we're going to start something today. I don't know how long it'll take to finish it, but uh, we want to talk about this morning the church in Ephesus. Ephesus is, we just looked at, had a class with some maps in it uh, earlier, but you see, uh, here's Italy, this is Africa, Israel's over there, Syria. We're talking about up in here, in the green area here is uh, where Ephesus is. If you draw it up a little bit closer, Ephesus is on the the coast right there, on the, the left in the land. Uh, it's on the Anatolian Peninsula. And uh, just a couple things uh, about Ephesus. Uh, we've talked about already it's the fourth largest city in the Roman world, about 250,000 people. It had a natural harbor. One of the important seacoasts uh, from Asia Minor. There was a, it was a great commercial center. Much of the trade from the east came to the Aegean via the port at Ephesus. It was a free city. Um, well, the, the, the great road which belongs, uh, which brought trade from the Eu- Euphrates River now reached the sea at Ephesus, by the way. So the, that's amazing when you think about it. And uh, it was a free city never having had Roman troops stationed there. And it had limited self-government uh, with the approval of the Roman Empire. Paul passed through Ephesus at the end of his second preaching journey. He returned on his third journey and remained longer there than at any other city. In Acts chapter 18, verses 18 through 21, it says, So Paul remained a good while, then he took leave of the brethren and sailed for Syria, and Priscilla and Aquila were with him. He had his hair cut off as in Sincrea, uh, for he had taken a vow, and he came to Ephesus and left them there, but he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay a while, a longer time with them, he did not consent, but took leave of them, saying, I must by all means keep this coming feast in Jerusalem, but I will return again to you, God willing. And he sailed from Ephesus. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And in Acts chapter 20, verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not uh, cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So this is Paul. He says for three years he was there warning everyone. We also remember that Apollos had preached there, and it was there that Aquila and Priscilla had uh, taught him more accurately the word of the Lord. And then Apollos leaves and goes on over to the, the, uh, Greece, if I remember right. And then Paul comes, as he said he would try to come back. So Paul comes, and in Acts chapter 19, he finds some 
12 men who have, he asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, well, we hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. He says, into what the, they had been taught by Apollos. And so Paul taught them more accurately again the word of the Lord. They were rebaptized. So that happened uh, in that area in Ephesus. There was a riot in Ephesus. We've already mentioned that. The great is Diana of the Ephesians, uh, Artemis. Uh, that's in Acts chapter 19. And, and Paul would run out of the city, basically. In Acts chapter 20, verse 29, Paul had told the Ephesian elders that savage wolves would trouble the city where the Ephesian church is. And uh, a warning to them, and that was the last time he would see them. Also, in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul writes, says, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So Timothy was in, was in uh, uh, Ephesus. He was told, told him to remain there. There were some things he needed done. Uh, there's a, a man named Clement of Alexandria in, in 193 A.D. He wrote about the apostle John. And, he quote, and the quote is, For when, on the tyrant's death, he returned to Ephesus from the Isle of Patmos. So John, after the death of the tyrant, returned, uh, or came to Ephesus in, uh, in his old age, I guess lived there maybe until he died. But that tyrant's name was Caesar, Domitian. I just thought that was rather interesting. That was also mentioned uh, Domitian was mentioned earlier in our class. This uh, is a remake somewhere of the Temple of Diana, the Temple of Artemis. Pretty, pretty good-sized structure, and I don't know where that is. I don't know, just a photo. But I think what's interesting also is that's the temple, same one today. That's today. You see this? Round stone right there. That must have been one of the part of the column. I just think that's kind of interesting. So um, that's where we are. That's where we're going to talk about. So let's turn to Romans, uh, Revelation chapter 7, or 2 rather, verses 1 through 7. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. All right, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and they, that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. 
We have, I'll have the, the scripture that I'm going to talk about will be up top. I won't really, I'm not going to read it again every time. But um, we have the mystery of the, uh, the seven churches, uh, the seven golden candlesticks. And all the, Revelation chapter 120 kind of explains it before we get to Revelation 2. Revelation 120 says, The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. I don't understand all I know about that. The angels, uh, the seven stars being the angels of the churches. I don't understand all I, uh, that's all I know. I, I can't explain that. But what we can understand from all of this, that these churches that Jesus is writing to or talking about, they're not seven denominations that teach different things. They are seven local congregations of God's people. And what they teach is supposed to be the same everywhere. We also, and it says these things, he says, he who holds the seven stars in his hand, he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Jesus holds really the destiny of the church in, the, in his hands. He knows uh, everything that happens. He walks in their midst. He's fully aware of all the things that go on. Right now even. He knows what's happening in here. He knows what I'm thinking about. It, it better be this sermon. He knows what you're thinking about. He knows if I'm distracted about other things. So he knows what's going on. He knows what we do, what we don't do. He's fully aware. And he is concerned. He's walking in the midst, concerned about their work and their spiritual welfare, I might add, too. These members had toiled. I know your labor. You can't bear those who are evil. New American Standard says for work, they call it toiled. It's the work that goes on for the Lord is never ending. As long as we live, we're supposed to be doing what the Lord wants us to do. What we find out in verse 2 is they didn't give up when things went bad or when someone criticized them or whatever it was. They didn't give up. They were always there. They were patient. They were able to endure that fortitude, which I don't use that word very often, but endurance. What that, it was one thing they cannot endure is evil men. You cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not found them liars. They've tested them. They've examined them, you know, would be the word in 2 Corinthians 13, 5. To scrutinize, they understood these men who called themselves apostles, and they checked them out, if you will, and found out they weren't. They were false apostles, as it were. So they tested the preaching and identified those who were false. Their faith, 
and its purity was not to be taken lightly. This, the church, the faith and the purity of the church was not to be tampered with. They understood that. They will not allow that to happen, which is commendable. But they persevered in, in sort of a, a, a restating of some of the things we talked about in the previous verse. They had stood and continued toiling when circumstances got difficult. They had become worn out. They had not become worn out from false teachers, false prophets, false apostles, idolatry on every corner. Many probably had been idolaters themselves, worshiping idols, pagans, if you will. They, this is a Gentile area predominantly. And so they had been fully aware and had been partakers of that in times past. Not all of them probably, but many may have. But they have persevered, they have had patience, they have labored for my name's sake. And so that the the cause of Christ could be carried on. And it could be carried on the way the gospel says. And so they, they were strictly adhering to the gospel of what was taught and making sure that false teachers didn't have foothold. But they had a problem. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. <sighs> kind of hard to know exactly what is going on there. But Strong states the word forsaken for the meaning of left. They have left their first, they have forsaken their first love. That doesn't sound too good, does it? They got a problem. They have a problem. In Ephesians chapter 1 in verses 15 and 16, Paul writes to them and says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. So Paul tells them that he's heard of their faith in the Lord. Their love for all the saints, wherever they might be. And he does not cease to give thanks for them. Praying always for them. Now that's a... Paul must have spent a lot of time in prayer because this is mentioned more than one time in his writings that he prayed for the places that he had been and for the saints at different places. Now this is written roughly A.D. 62 or 63 where he wrote Ephesians chapter 1 verses 15 16 where he wrote this was about A.D. 62 or 63. And Paul commended them for their faithfulness and their love. Now, 30 plus years later, in the 90s, I think this when his letters, the revelation was written, 30 plus years later, conditions with the church in Ephesus had changed. Something's happened. Something has happened. It's not a good something. You have left your first love. 
Jesus is saying this. Not John. Jesus is saying this. John's writing it. Or his secretary is, if you want to call him a secretary. Amanusis would be the word. But, but Jesus is saying, you've left your first love. This is not some somebody like me saying that. No, this is our Savior said that. Now, they've exposed false teachers with false doctrines, false apostles. They've persevered. They've uh, been patiently endured. They've, they've, they're busy. They're, it seems the fire's gone out. That's what it appears to me. That they're doing these things, it's, it may be become mechanical. That we just do them because that's what we've done for 30 plus years. 2 John 5, John writes, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. That same John tells the church at Ephesus, you've left your first love. I don't know who exactly he's writing to in 2 John. But he, he reminds us that we are to love one another. And maybe there's some of that missing. That love for one another. Thirty plus years. 62, 63 A.D. Now to when Revelation, I think, was written 95, 97 A.D. What had happened? Speculation here. I'll admit it before I say it. Some might have been baptized because their parents were members of the Lord's body. And that's just the way they grew up. So that's just what they decided they'd do. Second generation Christians, we might call them. Maybe even third generation. They just grew up in it and that's all they've known and say, okay, then... But that determination, that fight that their parents likely had, fighting off the persecutions and stuff, dealing with the persecutions, may have had an effect. That fire has gone out, and these newer converts have not had to fight. And so they're not as steadfast. Now, they won't allow false teachers. And but they just don't do what they once did, apparently. And I just hope that never becomes us, that we, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're here every service. If we're out of town, we're worshiping somewhere. But we forget that we don't have that fire that we used to have. And we just sit here. And we worship. And we come in Wednesday night. And we'll come in next Sunday. And it just becomes a routine. Instead of a fight. I appreciate what Andrew says in his prayers most of the time. Uh, this life is a fight. And we need you and we need each other. 
there's a remedy. He said, remember and repent. Change your mind, bringing about a change in what we do. That's what Jesus is telling the church in Ephesus. Come back. Come back to us. These lessons, this, what John wrote that Jesus said won't do us any good if it doesn't mean something to us. He wants us to come back to him. And sometimes we would just let, let slip what he said in there and the reason for it because you've fallen. You've fallen. You've left your first love and you've fallen. Fire's gone out. I'll say it again. I believe. So how do you fix it then? You repent. You do the first works. New converts. They bring enthusiasm. They bring excitement. They've gotten out of the the, the uh, the the threat of punishment from the sins that they've already done just don't do anymore but actively engaged in bringing people to the Lord is what the church is supposed to do that's primarily what we're to do serve him follow his law his word and tell others as a matter of fact in Acts chapter 8 Verse 4, therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. When the persecution got so great they couldn't stand it anymore, they left. They left their homes. They went everywhere, and they preached. What would have seemed to be an end of something when the church is persecuted, and they scatter, and you think, well, we solved that problem. Now, these people went out and they told people wherever they were, all over, what good things the Lord had done for them. And this was in a year or less from the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Carried the message all over the world. Colossians chapter 1 talks about whole, verse 23, I think, something like that, that these people told the whole world about Christ. That's what they did. Because that's what they thought they were supposed to do. We don't do that, apparently. Not enough. But it's not all bad. They hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. No one knows exactly what they taught or what they did, the Nicolaitans. Just don't know. There's suspicion that there was a guy named Nicholas. And he, I don't know, he had some followers. But anyway, whatever it was that they did, the church in Ephesus hated what they did. Not only did the Ephesian church hate what they did, Christ did as well. 
verse 2, chapter 6 of verse 2, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, Jesus says. So whatever they did was wrong, and Jesus hated it. The Ephesians hated it. They didn't hate the people. They hated what they did. This church in hell false teachers in check. They didn't let the lies of the false teachers spread to the saints. They actively engaged in not allowing that to happen. First John 4 verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, I read that kind of thing, and sometimes it hits me different than others, that people are going out teaching things that Christ didn't teach, that the apostles didn't teach, and it's taking hold. And I think of Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. We know the, the power of the gospel will save souls. But when you change the message of the gospel, when you teach something else, then it's not the gospel. And then the power that the gospel had is not there because it's a different gospel. That's what Galatians 1, verse 6 through 10 says. But what we're to do is test the teachings of those who teach. Me. Make sure I'm saying the right thing. Or whomever. Evan this morning. Make sure what we say is right. Whether they are of God. Because you don't know for sure when something wrong is stated unless you know scripture, by the way. And so you check those tips. Don't believe, but test. That's what they needed to do. And that's what they had done. In Second John chapter uh, verses 9 through 11, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, but uh, do not receive him into your house nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. When we don't, when we do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, it's a transgression. It's a sin not to do that. That's what he says. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. If it's a different gospel, it's not from the Lord. And so he doesn't approve of that. But he who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. He who has ears, let him hear. One of my uh, verses I read that I almost want to grin to myself because everybody's got ears. 99.9% .9 of us can hear. Some may not hear as well as others. 
He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. A tree of life, symbolic of eternal life. When Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, and after they had sinned, the Lord took away their access to the tree of life unless they would eat and live forever. So he says, you're not going to do that. So he, a cherubim blocked their way. And so they went out of the garden. But we find that garden in the heavenly realm, or that tree of life in the heavenly realm, in the paradise of God. So that paradise, by the way, means a garden of pleasure. In other words, bliss in the presence of God himself. That's what saints have to look forward to. In the presence of God. Not in this body. This body can't handle that. But in an incorruptible body. In a spiritual body. We'll be in his garden of pleasure. With access to the tree of life. One who enters the paradise of God by being able to overcome. To win in the face of obstacles is to overcome. To be a victor. To conquer. To prevail. How do we prevail? How do we overcome? Already talked about that. He said repent. You again change the mind. And start doing what's right. Instead of doing what's wrong. Do what's right. Do the first works. Love your your neighbor. Love all the brethren. And do what uh, you should have been doing all along. Rekindle that fire that they once had. Kindle that fire. Rekindle that fire. That flame is gone out. And recommit to the love of his saints. Return to being a, 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 a church in which Christ is not going to take away the lampstand. We see a lot of churches of our brethren getting fewer in number. If we don't watch out, those that don't overcome are going to end up like an edifice like this that's worthless. Visitors go and take pictures of it and say, oh, I've been in the temple of uh, Diana. There's uh, visitors there. They're, they're, they're taking, taking their tour of the, the temple of Diana. So we need to overcome. We need our place in the paradise of God. We need to have access to that tree of life and live forever in his presence. If you need to be baptized to have sins washed away, this is the time to do it. Or if you've done that in the past and you do need the the prayers of the saints about a matter, why don't you come while we stand and sing number 117. 117.